Do you ever wonder how much risk you're taking in your investment portfolio? Or do you wonder, how do I properly diversify my investments? Or how do I reduce my risk? Are you asking yourself these questions? These are common questions amongst advisors. In fact, you know, many people don't even know or unaware of how much risk they are really taking. And taking on unintended risk is easy to do when the market is doing well. Welcome to Reach Your Summit podcast, where we help you navigate the path to a better, more secure future. I'm your host today, Nicole Davis, the Director of Financial Planning Services at Summit Wealth Group. And today I have David Lee. He's a Vice President at Summit Wealth Group. He's joining us and we'll discuss how to diverse your portfolio to balance your risk. Hi, David. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Nicole. Great being here. So the problem I think a lot of people face is just not knowing the risk that's associated with different investments and how to adequately diversify their portfolio for risk purposes. So, you know, they get caught up in all this excitement of the good times in the market and investing in things that might have more risk than they even realize. Things like stocks and bonds, they all have different risks associated with them. You know, typically, as you know, the stocks, they're typically riskier than the bonds, but they also have the potential to provide the higher returns in bonds. In general, higher potential returns are associated with that higher risk. Mutual funds are compromised of many stocks and bonds or both, and they each have an investment objective that they're trying to achieve by investing into certain holdings that meet their criteria. And they just have a wide range of risk tolerances and really need to be looked at in an individual basis. I'd say the one thing that really sets them apart from just a stalker's bond is having many holdings inside. So you're not just investing in that one offering. That is one way that helps reduce risk is not just having what, as you, I'm sure most people have heard, not having all of your eggs in one basket. So um, taking too much risk, it, it may cause investments performance to vary more than you like, and it takes a bigger hit when the marks aren't performing well. And, you know, one thing we've seen with investors is they'll find this out at the wrong time and they'll worry about it and they sell out of their investments at the very worst time possible when the markets are down. When they do that, you know, they miss that whole upswing because who has that crystal ball when that's going to turn around? And then they're stuck there with with those big losses. So let's just really dive in a little bit more about how to understand the risk you're taking and how to change it if you're not comfortable with it. You know, when you analyze risk, you really want to look at what you're investing in, how much you're investing in it, and how it correlates with other things that are in your investment portfolio. David, when you're talking with clients, how do you define risk to them? What does risk really even mean? Nicole, that's one of the best questions you can ask because the risk that you've been talking about, the possibility that investment holdings can go down in value, that's one type of risk that could be referred to as market risk. But what about the risk that you could outlive your money? Uh, that can be a much more important risk. You could refer to that as longevity risk, although that's almost a misnomer because that's almost the risk of living too long. That's not the risk. The risk is that your money doesn't last as long as you live. 
Um, so another risk that is connected to longevity risk is inflation risk. We all know that the cost of living rises every year and can significantly increase over a person's lifetime or even just during their retirement. So if your investments aren't earning enough to help your income stay ahead of cost of living increases, then um, you're subject to inflation risk and you could have to settle for a reduced lifestyle during retirement. Yeah, there is a lot of risk. And, you know, some of those risks are more prominent with stocks versus bonds, especially with an inflation uh, risk. You know, that's that's when you see more with bonds. Are you keeping up with inflation? Are you losing your purchasing power because you're not keeping up with inflation? So when you're looking at a portfolio or for those that are listening in, how do they figure out how much they're really taking? How do we measure risk for a client? And I'm going to back up again and address the longevity risk and then come back to your question of portfolio risk. So if we're measuring the risk of outliving your money, an excellent way to address that and measure that risk is to do a comprehensive financial plan. At Summit Wealth Group, we do financial plans with our clients that include various scenarios, various investment returns, various types of portfolios, and what are the odds of your money lasting as long as you do under a variety of different investment scenarios. So that's measuring longevity risk and inflation risk. Market risk can be measured by how much your holdings fluctuate or primarily how much they decline in a down market. The, the fluctuation to the upside is really not a problem. We like that kind of fluctuation. Um, but how much are your investments going to decline in a down market? We have some tools for that, too. One of the things we use at Summit Wealth Group is a program called Riskalyze that specifically uh, identifies the potential for your portfolio to decline in a down market. When you're talking with clients about risk, how do you help them determine what is right for them? Great question. One of the first things we want to do is reduce the risk of your money not lasting as long as you do. For practically every one of our clients, the primary financial goal is retirement income, having enough money to last through your retirement. So... The way to reduce longevity risk is simply owning more equities or stocks because a well-diversified stock portfolio may be one of the only assets that stays ahead of inflation and stays ahead of cost of living increases in the long run. Of course, the problem with owning a lot of stocks Let's just say you you simplified that to say, okay, I'll just own all stocks. The problem with that is now you've increased your market risk, the risk that your portfolio will decline in value. Um, so first of all, these are things that should be discussed with your financial advisor. The solutions aren't the same for everybody. Depends on your situation, um, a lot of different factors. But here are some general ways that you can reduce market risk. Number one is diversification. So your portfolio should be properly diversified, and that's the simple idea of not putting all your eggs into one basket. So there are a lot of different ways to diversify. You can use mutual funds, which will own a diversified portfolio of stocks or bonds or other assets. 
Um, you can build a portfolio using several different types of mutual funds, or some people choose to construct a portfolio themselves using appropriate stocks, bonds, and other investments. This doesn't exactly reduce the market risk, but it reduces your own susceptibility to the market risk. If you have a lot of your money in stocks or stock-related investments to decrease your longevity risk, then you may consider keeping a certain amount of money in relatively stable investments, mainly so that when stocks are down in value and you need money, you aren't forced to sell those stocks when they're down in value. You can leave them alone, go over to your bucket of relatively stable investments, use those while the stocks are down, and leave the stocks alone to eventually recover their value and continue to help your income exceed the inflation rate over your lifetime. Um, sometimes stocks can be down in value for a pretty long time. Uh, think back to the financial crisis, um, 2008 and surrounding years. So how much money is the right amount for you to keep in non-stock investments? Again, that's a, a question for you and your financial advisor to discuss. Another option to reduce your market risk, and this is something that many of our advisors use at Summit Wealth Group, is a portfolio model that we call the distribution model. If you're able to construct an investment portfolio that produces enough dividends and interest to provide the income that you need every year, then you don't have to sell assets for income. Sometimes those assets may go down in value, but as long as they're producing the income you need, you can allow those assets to go through the rough market periods, um, provide income for you, and over time, those assets should grow and help your income exceed the inflation rate. Um, now, in that example, you still may need a bucket of money in these relatively stable investments for those times that you might need lump sums uh, for unexpected expenses or for plan for financial goals in addition to your regular monthly income. Thanks. Those are those are definitely some great points. The other thing that kind of comes to my mind when I'm thinking about reducing risk and you're talking about diversification, one of the things that comes to my mind is the correlation between the assets. Let's just say we're talking about large cap stocks and mid cap stocks. They're going to follow each other pretty pretty close in, in markets as, as far as normal economy goes. But if you look at like correlation between something like large cap equity stocks versus bonds, they aren't going to both go up and down at the same time every time. So what I think of things is trying to find things that react differently to the markets when you're investing. And one thing that kind of pops into my head is what I think a lot of people hear people talk about is alternative investments. And, you know, that's a whole different podcast right there. You could talk about alternatives uh, for a while there. But I think one of the main ones people hear a lot about is REITs and how they are able to kind of give a better diversification. Would you mind, uh, David, talking a little bit about maybe how that fits into a portfolio or may not fit into a portfolio for a client? Sure, Nicole. And the way you answer that question is important. It's how these things fit into your portfolio. So 
how the investments perform on their own is important, but how they fit into your portfolio is even more important. When we work with our clients, one of the main things that we want to determine is what portfolio allocation is right for that client. What percentage of stocks, what percentage of bonds, what percentage of alternative assets like real estate trusts that you just mentioned. We always want to find assets that don't correlate with each other things that don't go down at the same time. We really don't even want them to go up at the same time because then the likelihood is that they'll go down at the same time. So we want one thing to zig while another is zagging. (laughs) Um, The real estate trusts in general, we find fit in a category between stocks and bonds where maybe over time their returns may not be quite as robust as some of the stock returns may be, uh, but also they're a little more stable, more consistent than the stock returns. On the other hand, compared to the bonds, maybe the returns are a little higher than what you would expect from the bonds, Um, but at the same time, they're not quite as stable as the bonds. So they have different characteristics in in their risk and return. And when we talk about tailoring these portfolios to the clients, we consider two main things. One is pure math. What, how much money do you need in stable investments to potentially get you through a rough patch in the market? And that depends on a lot of things, depends on uh, how much income you need from your investments um, on a regular basis. Uh, how much money do you need in stocks to help your income stay ahead of inflation over a retirement that could last two or three decades, maybe even longer? Um, how much do you need in non-correlating investments to help add some some consistency to your portfolio? But we don't want to forget when we're talking about all of these technical issues and and math calculations that another consideration just as important is your own comfort level. So no matter how the math works out, you, the client, have to be comfortable with how you're invested because the last thing you want to do is make emotional decisions at the wrong time that can derail your long-term financial and investment plan. And I think that's an important thing that you hit up there at the end, too, that having an advisor really helps with because they help you stay that course and help you understand what's happening in the markets and keep you on on course to really achieve those goals that you set out. Another thing that kind of popped into my mind, David, as you were talking, like we we want a low correlation and we want diversification. And and really what that does is when you achieve a well-diversified portfolio, it's going to even out that ride for you versus way extremes, ups and downs. Um, When it's a little bit more diversified, your your risk is going to go down and you're going to be able to ride those waves a little bit better. We we're talking about mutual funds and, you know, they, there are just so many types of mutual funds out there, especially like I think of 401ks where you're, you're really limited to your choices of investments. You know, a lot of those um, 401ks out there nowadays have like asset allocation funds. So there's one fund that will allow you, especially if you have a limited selection out there, and, and you're not sure what to do, 
you know, that's a that's a good way to make sure you get some diversification in there. Those um, you may see it as a balance fund, uh, aggressive. Other thing you might see, it's called like a target date fund. And these funds, really, when you look at these, these have dates next to them. And you kind of correlate that date next to when your goal for retirement is. And that fund will actually start out more aggressive. And as you get closer to that date or that year on that uh, mutual fund, it becomes less and less risky. So that is another way to, to kind of invest if you're really unsure what you're doing, especially um, in, in something like a 401k where you have limited number of funds to really choose from. Yes, Nicole, that's a good point. Those target date funds can be great solutions in saving in your 401k. There are some potential issues, though. You don't always know exactly what the allocation is in that target date fund. And one common mistake is, let's say I'm retiring in five years. So I choose target date 2025. Well, that fund is going to go to a very low percentage of stocks as we approach 2025. Well, when we get to 2025, if I retire then, that doesn't mean I'm going to spend all my money that year. I still may have 20 or 30 years that I need growth in my portfolio. So sometimes people make a choice of a target date fund simply based on a year or an age, and it may actually turn out not to be exactly the right fund that they need. Um, so this is another area where even if you're investing in your 401k in your workplace, you can talk about this with your advisor and get some help choosing the right funds in your 401k. Yeah, because it all really depends on what you're trying to achieve and when that goal is and how much uh, risk you can take. Um, and like you said, it is it that risk within those uh, target dates are, you know, consistently changing and you do need to keep an eye on that to make sure it's still where you want to be. So kind of taking a, a step back and kind of out of the 401k world and, and back um, into just looking at uh, diversification. If you listen to any of the investment news, 60, 60, 40, which is a 60% equity, 40% bond, you hear, oh, that's dead or that doesn't work anymore. And then you hear other people saying it does. And I just encourage people to really tune out that that news and you really need to work with what's going to work towards your goals. David, how do you have those conversations with your clients when they come in with news like that from from different sources that they hear and kind of unsure of what to do next? Right before you asked that question, you said the most important thing. It depends on what works for you and your goals. So before you can have a conversation about what are the right investments or the right mix of assets or the right portfolio allocation, right for what? You have to know what the plan is. Going back to using retirement income planning as the example, which is the, the main financial goal for most of our clients. How far off is your retirement? First of all, what does retirement even mean for you? And then let's put some numbers on that. How far away is it? How much are you saving? How much are you going to need for income during retirement? Um, what age are you going to be when you retire? Which gives some indication 
um, about how long we need to plan for during retirement. So all of those are the things that are unique to you, to each client, that are going to help you and your advisor decide what type of portfolio allocation you need. So no radio show or internet article is going to give you the right portfolio allocation for you. You can only decide on that once you know what your plan is. So that plan not only helps you make good decisions about how to invest, it helps you stick to that investment program when things may not seem like they're going the way they should. Actually, during those rough patches, those aren't surprises when you have a good plan. Those are part of the plan. We know they're going to happen, and the plan is built, and the investment plan, the financial plan and the investment plan, are built to take you through those rough patches, plan for those rough patches. That's what the asset allocation is all about. If it weren't for the rough patches, we'd all just own the highest performing investments all the time. Um, so you have to know why you're investing, what the plan is before you can make any of those decisions about asset allocation. I think you made some really good points there. You know, really just if you really want to take a look at your risk and know what you're taking or what you're comfortable taking and figuring those things out, really the best thing is, is to go talk to your financial advisor. That's really what it comes down to is being able to talk with someone through all those different aspects of investing, your time horizon, what works for you, what what kind of risk can you stomach, and what investments are good for you. You know, we talked about alternatives, but some of those alternatives, there's suitability requirements in order to invest in them, or some of them are actually a little bit illiquid. So, and that may not be um, a suitable investment for you at that time. So there's a lot of different things out there and, and what's right for you is not right for your neighbor or your brother or your sister. Everyone has different goals, different time horizons and what they want to achieve. So I just want to thank David for coming in and having this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast brought to you by Summit Wealth Group. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, please email info at summitwealthgroup.com. Thanks again.